welcome to the Loving Lake Geneva podcast. I'm your host, Karen Stray Rappaport. Each episode, I take an outside-the-wake look at the area's most interesting people, places, and happenings. It's another great day here in Lake Geneva, and the lake looks stunning, so let's jump right in. Well, today we have with us Dory Davis-Beck, a local entrepreneur. Welcome, Dory. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Of course. Well, I had to practice saying that word quite a few times. <laughs> it's hard to say. Entrepreneur. So let's start by just having you explain what that means, what that is. Well, I've always just had a vision for myself that, you know, I, I've had a lot of jobs. I've had many different careers and I've always been definitely outside of the art box, if you will. And kind of by accident, I started carving pumpkins about 26 years ago. And a lot of people gravitated to that. And I knew I was always artistic. I mean, I've always just, you know, kept myself busy, um, different things like that. And uh, through the years, you know, people would ask me, you know, can you paint? Can you do this? And gradually, I would just try different mediums. And it's a gift from God, I believe that I have just a gift to acclimate to a lot of different um, art perspectives, I guess. That's really cool, too, because I, I, I don't have that skill. So I so appreciate people who do. And you know, like you're the type of person that like this podcast is all about, like we have all these hidden talents for right here locally with very unique and special skills. And, and that is you. So it, it's really cool, you know, to find you and have you here. So let's talk about, you know, there's many different uh, things that you do, but let's talk about the pumpkin carving since you, since you mentioned it. Because it's so cool. I mean, I, I've looked at the pictures. I've seen you in action. And can you explain, this isn't your typical pumpkin carving, like two triangles and a you know a little smile. <laughs> uh, no, it, it's kind of funny. My big brother, who's 10 years older than I, when I was young, he would always, you know, do fun things, pumpkin carving, fly kites, play chess, things like that. And my oldest daughter, Haley, is 26 years old. And when she was born, I figured I would kind of do the same things that my brother did with me. And, you know, it started out fun pumpkin carving. And back then is when those stencils started to come out, like you can buy those castles and the stencils that you poke, 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 you know, you poke all these holes and it took seriously like hours. And I was like, wow, like maybe I should just draw something on there. Well, when you're drawing on a spherical medium, it is a little more challenging because now your straight lines become curved. So I thought that was quite interesting. So I did a pumpkin that just said, happy Haley Ween. And I kind of did it for her, a couple ghosts, a little fence post. And it did take me quite some time to do it. But I was also um, working at Mars Resort back then. And I did a fun pumpkin for them on the piano bar. And a lot of people were just like, wow, that's really cool. You know, can you do one for my grandson, John? Can you, you know, do one for this? And I was like, sure, you know, and these couple dollars that I was charging, um, then that was the first year of Lake Geneva Oktoberfest. And I was, you know, George Henry was in charge of it then, and I had to ask for permission. But the coolest thing about my pumpkins is sometimes they don't look really cool until they're lit. And that's when they really come to life. So I got permission to 
stay over the time and stay outside and light my pumpkins. So as people were driving by or whatnot, they could see the lit pumpkins. And I had one business out of Milwaukee, a special needs business, asked me what I would charge for 20 pumpkins, you know, just fun faces and stuff and bring them in, set up this party for this company. And they paid me like $800. And I was like, wow, like I could totally make a business of this. So it just kind of happened on accident. And year after year, more and more people had gravitated to these pumpkins. And it's at the point, you know, I, I've, I've had people sponsor, I've had corporate companies hire me for team building, you know, pumpkin carving parties. And it just whatever somebody has an idea for, I'm willing to just open up. And if I haven't accomplished it yet, then we can accomplish that together. But it all happened on accident and they become more elaborate with more experience each each year, I think. <laughs> and so what are I mean people will see when they go to your website some examples, but tell us like kind of some of your stars, some of your favorites and uh, designs of things you've done. Golly, I do a lot of business logos. And, and the thing is, is everything that I do is by hand. So, you know, people have asked me what's the hardest thing about carving and, and sometimes it's drawing it because it does take longer to draw it sometimes uh, because it is all freehand. But a few of my favorites is an old Jeep that I used to have. Cunis had sponsored me one year and they said, have fun with it. So I was able to kind of do what I wanted. The Dre House uh, Mansion Estate uh, years ago, I want to say about seven years ago, had commissioned me to uh, do the mansion to scale around the entire pumpkin. And it took me about 29 hours. So that was really awesome. Um, I just, when I do weddings and different things like that, I, I think it's great because I can follow like the invitations and the font. And it's just really cool to talk with people and get, you know, verbalize what their vision is. And I can put that vision into a tangible visual, you know, a tangible satisfaction. So, and how long do these typically t like, like what's the, the longest that it's ever taken you to do one? Uh, the longest would be that the Dre house estate mansion at 29 hours. Um, a lot of oh, like, wow. <laughs> yeah. And I did that over like almost a three day period. I don't have weeks to do these, you know, once I get an order, you know, this is a perishable art. <laughs> so, yeah. um, so it's, I, I only have so much time. So that, you know, over a three-day period, it was very challenging and, and I appreciate that challenge and it was very rewarding in the end in, in many aspects. But as far as, you know, I would say seven to 15 hours is average. You know, if I'm just doing a fun pumpkin, you know, you just want something that says happy, happy Halloween and a fun little ghost, you know, I can finish that in, in two to three hours. So yeah, it just all depends on, on the design really. And then, okay. You know, I think about when I used to carve pumpkins with my kids and it would usually end up with some blood <laughs> <laughs> because I stabbed myself with the knife that I was carving with. I mean, really like, and you're so intricate in your designs, like, is there a safety issue or you just have it so down that you, you never have to worry about that? <laughs> I think I just have it so down. Um, sometimes it's hard because you never know what the weather is in October. And I mean, I've carved pumpkins in the very cold sleet. You know, I've been sunburned in the heat. I've I've broken more tools than anything. And, and fortunately, you know, I have not, you know, knock on wood, um, I have not, you know, sliced a finger or any of anything of that. 
uh, sore muscles, you know, when I'm gutting out 20 pumpkins and in, in a certain time frame, you know, I've got like Popeye arm, but it's a good way to stay yeah. safe, but I, I've never, uh, I've never shed any blood. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's good. Stay safe out there. <laughs> but really it amazes me how intricate these designs are. And again, people will have to go to your website and actually see the, see it to understand. And so, so you mentioned kind of a few ways that people can enjoy these. You said birthday parties or company, uh, team building, things like that. Any other ways that, I mean, people can just order them for decorations, right? For their, for fall. Like, yeah, you know. Yep. Actually kind of in August, I start like pumpkin painting parties because a lot of pumpkins aren't super ripe yet, but people that have done some painting parties, they can then carve that same pumpkin. And it's pretty cool when you paint it. And then a little bit later on, you carve out some of some of the grooves. And I kind of teach people how to do that. Uh, and speaking of teaching, um, I do classes, I do them publicly. Uh, people can contact me for private lessons. They can contact me for private parties in their homes. I bring everything that they would need, um, you know, obviously including the experience. Classes are a little bit longer, you know, a couple hours because it's just more of an intimate experience, hands-on. But really, yeah, I just, I do a lot of orders. I'm already booked, not completely booked, but I'm booking into the 2024 and 2025 season. Oh, that's amazing. And I mean, the pumpkins is probably, you might say your main, main attraction, but you also have uh, several other things, right? And uh, including glass, wood, watermelons. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> talk to us about that. You know? Yeah. It doesn't end at the pumpkins. No, it doesn't. And, you know, if I could carve pumpkins all year round, I, I would absolutely love that. But usually that's an August to November thing. But really glass etching, um, I would have to say, is second in line. Um, I kind of, again, you take that spherical medium, that round medium, medium and I've I've just learned to perfect and master drawing and being able to manipulate this this sphere. But I hand etch glass and again everything is freehand drawn. Again I do classes, private lessons, kind of the kind of the same business plan or layout, I guess, uh, for, for each medium that I do. But there is um, pyrography, which is a wood burned art, always fun like like in the in the winter time because it's kind of a warm art you know with the burning um, it's got a fun smell to it you know depending on the wood we're burning on it's just a really comfortable smell we can paint on wood burn it uh, leather burning that's always fun not as popular you know I, I think people are a little intimidated when they see the classes that I offer however you know by staying consistent and the more people that approach and, you know, I can give them confidence to really try it. They really feel proud in, in doing these mediums that they're like, oh gosh, you know, I, I would never be able to do that. I can't do that. And I just feel that my gift allows people, you know, talents can be taught, gifts cannot. And I just believe that I have a gift that I can teach people talents that they didn't even know that they have. So through these, you know, many mediums, leather burning, culinary decor, watermelon carving coming up in the spring into summer. Um, it's just a great way to engage and, and open up people's perspective in that art box. <laughs> and so what are some examples with the glass and the wood that like people people make or, or the classes that you teach? 
like with the glass, it's a huge variety. You know, I'll bring a, a variety of glass from champagne flutes to um, glass coffee mugs to soup bowls to vases to beer steins. There's just a wide variety that's included in their price. Obviously, I can bring wine decanters and glass globes and things like that for a little bit more money, but there's really no limit. Um, mirrors, windows, I've done car windows, I've done motorcycle shields. I mean, it just, it goes across the board. With burning, we've done like little wooden coasters or, you know, little plaques that, you know, someone might just want to put give thanks on it, you know, and burn a little flower design around the edge or something, something that's not too complicated. But the cool thing I really enjoy is, you know, people like, why do you teach people to do this? You know, aren't you afraid they're going to take over your business or whatnot? And I guess I don't even look at that. Like to me, I feel it's the feel good feeling. And I, I believe 100% of the people that engage in this really feel good about it. And, and I like it when someone's like, oh, I did your class last year. I got a Dremel and I did this. Can I bring my own Dremel to class? Or, you know, I bring all the tools and everything that's needed, but it's really neat when someone's, you know, hey, I bought a wood burner and I tried this and look what I made. And they send me pictures and it's just really a great overall feeling to help people feel, feel good and, and not think about life for a minute, you know? <laughs> Yeah. And I mean, whether they keep the things themselves or give them as gifts, I mean, people have yeah. to feel so proud and it makes it special. Like I did this, you know, <laughs> I took the time to learn and do this. That's exactly right. And it, it's kind of fun because I obviously when I do my classes, I have everybody sign a waiver because there are tools in drinking sometimes if it's a glass of wine involved, but I always have them save that piece of paper. And at the end of class, I ask every one of my students, guests, people, you know, to write me something, something constructive. What can I do better? You know, what did you like? And it's just, I like, I cry sometimes when I get home and read these. It chokes me up right now because just so many people are like, oh, I wouldn't have tried this. Or, you know, I really did not know I could do this. And it just, it implements something deep down inside. And, you know, they remember me for that. So... <laughs> And that's like you said, like instilling the confidence in people, you know, I, I everybody remembers for better or for worse, like there are teachers in elementary school <laughs> yeah. and mine happened to be a for worse story. Oh, no. And like, and because she never gave me confidence or encouragement, I, I think that's why I never even attempt art anymore. Cause you know, she oh. had me convinced I sucked at it. Oh my gosh. That's <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, I'm sure I'm good at some other stuff, but you know, I mean, really, you know, when, as soon as somebody kind of has some faith in you and shows you what you're capable of doing, I'm sure it changes everybody's attitude about it, you know? Yeah, for sure. And, and I've even had people say that and, you know, growing up, you know, I've had to instill a lot of my own confidence, but there was three words I was never allowed to say, and that was bored, hate, or can't. So, you know, I, I would just find something and get a piece of paper and try to draw it. And then, you know, you learn scrumble art and directional textures and pointillism and a lot of these fun things that it's just so fun to broaden people's minds, you know, like you said, and just give them options and know that they can do it, you know, even if it's not too good to them. I mean, when you go to those painting classes, have you ever been to like a sip and paint or something? Yes. Yes. Like, well, after everybody's done, like they all look different, kind of the same with the glass, but in my glass class, we all don't do the same 
image or design, if you will. I help everybody find their own design and I help them uh, create their own design. So it's not all the same thing. But when you go to one of those paint and sips, they're all so beautiful. Everybody, someone's got a little bit more, looks like a little more of a scribble, you know, or not so nice. And this one's got super perfect lines. And if you actually take 10 feet, you know, 10 steps back, and look at all of them, they all look so good. And you can be like, oh my gosh, this is like, it totally, you get a different perspective and they're all wonderful. And it just, it it helps build that, that button in your brain there. <laughs> I went to one where we drew our pets and oh. <laughs> mine ended up looking, well, it was dogs. Everybody brought their, you know, pictures of their dog and stuff. Sure. And mine ended up looking a little bit more like a ferret than a dog, but I still <laughs> loved it. <laughs> Like you said, everyone's was different and special. Right, right. Sometimes you got to lead people what to see. But that's okay. That's right. Ferrets are nice too, I'm sure. Yeah. But <laughs> so being January, I know you're just coming off of the busy holiday. I mean, you know, you go right in from Halloween into Christmas and all the holidays. So in these winter months and then going into the early spring, what what classes can people look forward to? Right now through kind of January through February is mostly glass etching. You know, even though the holidays are past, there's still a lot of people, believe it or not, that do, you know, their Christmas parties in January. So a lot of still gift giving going on. The wood burning, glass etching, those are super popular, you know, in the off season. I do a lot more home parties. Um, you know, where people just want to kind of stay in their homes, kind of warm and, you know, invite some friends or, you know, maybe a bridal entourage or, you know, different things like that. But then usually kind of March into the spring will be the culinary decor and watermelon carving. And we kind of do the same thing. But if someone has a baby shower, you know, they might want to do a little basket or something, you know, out of the watermelon and, for the culinary decor, you know, I teach people how to do lemon peel flowers and, you know, um, cucumbers, making fun chain links and stuff, you know, things that if you're going to do a picnic or if you're going to have a fun little get together um, that you can implement, you know, these fun visuals, artistic visuals, you know, with lemon peels, uh, lime peels grapefruit peels. And it just, it adds that much little touch to your party that you're doing. It's like, yeah, I did that. That's cool. <laughs> that would be so fun to have an in-home party. I mean, even just, you know, whether it's with girlfriends or like a dinner party, you know, just yeah. add something special to an event. What a great idea. So, yeah. and you've had some nice coverage for what you've been doing, right? You've, <laughs> you've been on TV and radio and, and even bigger than that. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, gosh, the, the opportunities that that strike up have just been amazing. And, it, and it's even neater when someone calls you on the phone that, you know, you're not trying to reach out with or set up an event. And they're like, oh, this is CBS News. <laughs> and, you know, uh, last year they came into my home and CBS 58 News did a um a really cool interview. And when you go to my website, I've got the link right there so you can see it. And it just you know, watching that, I mean, I can, I can talk about that stuff all the time and, and, you know, being biased and, and feeling that 
is definitely different than watching it. Like every time I watch it, I ball my eyes out because it's like, who is that? Like, like that. <laughs> it's you. And it's it's been cool. Like Good Day State Line. Um, every year now they have me come on and we do some fun, you know, something with pumpkins. But I also do an event carving for hope with a local Lake Geneva boy, uh, Brody Wisniewski. And he raises money for St. Jude's. And about seven years ago, you know, I carve all these pumpkins and I'm like, how can I just get more people to come check out, you know, some of my artwork. And so I do, God, I put 80 to a hundred hours within a week of carving pumpkins nonstop and we auction them off live. And that money goes to Brody for his goal for St. Jude. So it's cool because Good Day State Line will help me, um, you know, promote a lot of that. Uh, when I do fun things like on the Jumbotron, like I've been with the Bucks for like the pregame and the Admirals and the Ice Hogs, those are usually just great fun. You know, I'm on the Jumbotron, the radio stations, uh, 95.1 FM will rock. Many years ago, it was, you know, it was a joke. They had me come on there and, you know, he's asking me, you know, how many pumpkins have you carved? And I'm like, well, thousands. He's like, how many have you smashed? And I'm like, well, how dare you? <laughs> like, ask me that. Like, none. Right. So they pulled me back on the air two weeks later. Now, it took me almost nine hours to carve their logo pumpkin. So they had me take that pumpkin on the roof of the building and we threw it up and I smashed it. So <laughs> every year that I go on, we've just created this fun following, you know, how are you going to smash the pumpkin this year? And just some fun coverage. Also going back to the, the longest pumpkin that you had asked me about. Um, I had some mm -hmm. friends like inquire in Guinness, the Guinness world records about kind of the most eccentric pumpkin. And we were trying to just see how I could maybe get in the book of Guinness world records. And when they, when we talk to them, they're like, well, we don't have that, but we have, um, fastest time carving a jack-o'-lantern. I said, no, you don't understand. Like I'm not about fast and speed. Like, like it yeah. takes a long time. So it took me a couple attempts. I mean, I went through like the Wheatland grade school. I went through a couple grade schools and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going to break this record. And it was quite embarrassing because in front of all these students, I totally did not break the record. So it's like, you know, you just have to pursue, you have to persevere, you have to stay consistent. And then finally, um, in 2000, I think it was 2015 or 2017, I broke the Guinness world record. It was uh 16.49 seconds. And, um, I broke the record. I did 13.51 seconds and it was two eyes, a nose, a mouth, and two ears. Now, I don't know who puts ears on jack-o'-lanterns, but I think to make it more difficult, but there was a lot. How is that even possible? <laughs> well, it was already <laughs> gutted out so that, that, you know, I could have it gutted out, but it's just through practice, you know, you just have to focus and know exactly where you're going to put your blade and cut through. And there are videos out, uh, a couple videos, because I had attempted it a couple times, even uh, in Lake Geneva down at Veteran or the I don't remember the name of the park down there in town by the, the big gazebo stage. Is that Flatiron? Yeah, Flatiron. Yeah. Um, I did it there and I think I missed it by like two seconds. And so I just kind of kept going. But I tell people that I'm unofficially amazing because it was $10,000 uh, to get somebody from London, you know, to officially be there to put you in the book. Um, but I did everything I was supposed to as far as my three videographers, my three time takers, it had to be in a public spot. 
So I, I did all of that stuff, you know, the newspapers, there's record of it. But yeah, so I tell people I'm unofficially amazing because I'm not technically in the book, but newspapers. But and that's so, you know, I had just had the the guys from the world's tallest glass Christmas tree on. Yeah. And it's the same thing. People told them they should get in the Guinness book. But when they started to inquire, it seems like they make it nearly impossible and especially the the cost of it, you know. Um, so it's the same with them, too. They're they're unofficial, but <laughs> it was just too much trouble and too much expense to actually get in the book. Well, yeah, because even though you have a contact, they're in London. So it's like even trying to email them or, you know, that, yes, they have a Facebook, but it just seemed to be forever as far as the the length of time between communications and you know it is challenging in itself um that's why you just kind of do what you can do and yeah lots of money too <laughs> yeah exactly so you've got i know you've got so much going on that you probably cannot add anything else to your plate but what what are your plans for the future you just keep doing what you're doing expand expand it all or more classes or what are, what are you thinking either you know 6 months a year 10 years down the road yeah. Um, I don't know length of time. I'm just kind of, you know, I'm just kind of going with the flow as it grows through my consistency and just as new people, different people, um, you know, being an entrepreneur, if you will, um, you know, I'm on the front end promoting and marketing, but I'm also in the middle being the executor of the product. And then I'm in the end, you know, where everything has to be finalized, but then I still have to market. So then it becomes like this juggle. And my goal is to reopen a studio uh, to where I can, you know, implement the classes. And I'm not, not that I don't mind going from place to place, but it is a lot to haul all of my tools and all of the glass and all the pumpkins. And just to be able to haul everything for these classes. I mean, it's a great, you know, and, and I'll probably, you know, when I do get a studio, I would like to have it by next, this next season. Um, but I guess that's all all in the cards. Um, but that's what I will continue doing. Um, you know, a lot of people know I'm also in fitness. So when I open my studio, uh, I will be offering like the fun booty yoga and stuff that I do. Um, and just kind of put all that feel good into people. You know, I, I think I'm, again, I have a gift to emanate a bright light and I just want to continue shining that. Well, you, you do have that light. I mean, just, you know, meeting you, you've got this very contagious energy and, and your smile is just huge and, you know, makes <laughs> you want to smile too. So you definitely are a bright light and anyone who meets you will, will testify to that. Well, thank you. Well, and I always end by asking my guests, what is your favorite thing about this area, about the Lake Geneva area? Wow. Just about being up here, living up here. Yeah. Lake Geneva is pretty much my nucleus. And, and I think just the variety of people, the, you know, kind of growing up in this area, even though I move away sometimes, or I have moved away in the past, I always gravitate back to Lake Geneva. It's, it's cool just to say that you're from here because anybody you talk to generally has heard of that area, you know, whether Milwaukee, Chicago, that happiness. I've had a lot of life here in Lake Geneva as far as just experiences that have helped me blossom and again, people in the area, but just the beauty, you know, I just got back from Hawaii and I love the heat. I love the sun. 
I also love the snow and I'm just a four seasons kind of chick. <laughs> so I just think the beauty of the lake and the people and just everything around. Um, I think, I think that's, that's probably my favorite and, and I will continue to enjoy it till I can't. <laughs> and how do people find you? All right. Well, if people want to be silly, they can Google me like Lake Geneva pumpkin carver. And there is all kinds of fun stuff that pop up. However, and actually my website will pop up right away, but www.studiodory and that's D-O-R-I.com is my website. Obviously you can see a lot of pictures. You can contact me. Um, I can do an Insta chat. If somebody has an immediate question, Instagram, also Studio Dory LLC, uh, Facebook, there's Studio Dory, um, which is probably the most popular. But yeah, and if you register for one of my classes, you can pay for it right online there. Um, but yeah, studiodory.com. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Dory, so much for being here and sharing your talents with all of us in the area and way beyond as well. So um, hopefully if people haven't seen your work or experienced your work, they will, they will get in to do that very soon. Now, thank you very much for having me and you enjoy a brilliant day and many blessings. Thank you. And as always, thanks to the listeners for letting me share my love of Lake Geneva and the wonderful people like Dory who helped make it so special. I'm Karen Stray Rappaport. Join me next time as another guest takes their place in the sun. Bye for now. I feel all right, like the morning I